Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to this podcast for College Success Formula members. I'm Tom Bodorf, co-founder of College Success Formula. The title of tonight's podcast is The New Tax Law and Its Effects on Paying for College. My special guest tonight is Chuck Moore. Chuck is the founder of College Literacy Academy, and he's a charter member of our advisory team here at College Success Formula as our senior tax strategist. Welcome, Chuck. How are you, Tom? Doing great. Well, Chuck, first of all, what a great topic this is. <laughs> and there's so much confusion out there, depending on what news network you know, families are watching these days, as to how great or how horrible this new tax law is for the average family in America. So first of all, what is your overall take on the tax changes? Well, my, my big take on that is it's not necessarily how much less or more taxes individuals are going to pay. Uh, the main reason this tax law was uh, passed, in my opinion, is to provide more benefits to individuals for employment and expanding the economy that we have right now. Okay. And, of course, uh, the more jobs that are available, more people can be hired, and uh, so, therefore, that is a good thing. And, yes, most individuals will receive some type of tax reduction, uh, even though they're going to be eliminating certain things that you can deduct. The ones that are going to be hurt more than anyone else are individuals that are living in high state income tax uh, states, uh, New York, New Jersey, California, um, most of the New England states. Those are the ones that are actually going to end up more than likely going to be paying more uh, in taxes than uh, they would be under their their old law. But uh, for the common, you know, low, middle, Uh uh, middle, high uh, individuals and such, and even some high-income earners, depending on what they do for a living, Uh uh, will benefit from this new tax legislation. So uh, even though it's not perfect, um, you know, I'm tickled to death that it did pass. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. Well, thank you for your take on that. Appreciate it. Now, I understand that the standard deduction will double for single and married taxpayers. Uh, will this translate into any effect on the cost of a college education? Uh, yes, it will. Um, number one, with, with the new tax legislation, what they, are, what they tried to do here is to simplify the form. Uh-huh. Uh, and under the new law, the standard deductions will actually double. For example, for a single taxpayer, uh, right now they can have a standard deduction. A standard deduction is different than itemizing. Uh-huh. This is a deduction directly right off your income. If you don't own a home, a lot of charitable contributions, state income taxes, and such like that, um, you basically can take what is called the standard deduction. And um, few taxpayers right now, according to the tax foundation, actually itemize their returns. Really? Uh, so um, the only thing here that, that I see here are individuals that do make charitable contributions. 
if they do make charitable contributions, of course, the only way you can deduct that off your federal income taxes is that if you do itemize your deductions. Uh, and this is going to probably worry a lot of colleges and universities huh. uh, because they're, they're theoretically our, our tax system is designed, how can I put this, uh, to incentivize certain spending patterns okay. of individuals. So therefore, if you do give charitable contributions out, colleges are concerned here that since the standard deduction has gone up for single filers up to right around $12,000, and for a married filing jointly up to 24000 that means a lot of individuals basically are not itemizing those um, that much deduction. Matter sure. of fact, I had an individual just the other day, matter of fact, they were uh, uh, from um, uh, Florida. Okay. And his he was making, I say, about $130,000, and his itemized deductions from the prior year was right at $25,000. Well, he's getting $24,000 worth of standard deductions now. So theoretically, what's gonna encompass that is that he's almost at the position to where he's not gonna be able to write off any mortgage interest, any state income tax uh, uh, deductions, any charitable contributions, uh, any investment interest deductions, things along those lines. So, I see. I see. Uh, it's not going to affect his taxes whatsoever. Okay. But the colleges are concerned because a lot of the alumni, the reason that they give to the university in, in, in um, the majority of the situations is because they can deduct it off their federal income tax returns. Sure. So now with the with the higher standard deductions, they may feel like that they're going to have less money being donated into the college, therefore less revenue coming in from the charitable contributions. So therefore, how are they going to recoup these costs? Are they going to pass it on to the student and the parents? You know, we don't know. Yet. Right. That remains so, to be seen. Yes, it right. could. It could affect uh, how colleges and universities are going to um, uh, come in and uh, price the cost of their education. Uh -huh. Now, there's another thing in there. Any individual college now, just a very few of them, that has over $500,000 put back into the endowments of the colleges and universities uh, are going to end up paying an additional tax to the federal government. But this is going to be just very few uh, colleges sure. and universities that's going to fall under that realm. Sure. So we'll have to stay tuned for that and see how this all plays out, huh? Yes. <laughs> okay. You know, and I guarantee you they're, they're going to recoup it one way or the other. Oh, yeah, guaranteed. <laughs> you know, Chuck, one way that we see a lot of families, of course, saving for college, and they're instructed by their financial advisors, is to save through 529 plans. Now, are there any changes to the 529s? Uh, yes, there are. Um, one of the biggest changes, everything basically stays stays exactly the same as it was under prior laws. However, under the new tax legislation, any monies that are invested into a 529 investment plans, either prepaid or um, a savings account, they could only use these dollars to pay for qualified uh, college educational expenses. Right. Now, under the new law, 
uh, beginning this year, January the 1st, they can use up to $10,000 per student uh, and they can withdraw $10,000 per year from their 529 plans annually to pay for private K-12 expenses. Oh, that's tremendous. What a, that's a huge advantage for families. And one of the things here, the only savings plan for paying for cost of college education, of course, is your Coverdell IRAs. Right. And you're limited on what you could put in and such like that. But that money in the Coverdell IRAs could be used for post-secondary or uh, secondary education, K through 12. Okay. So theoretically, your Coverdell um, educational IRAs really now doesn't even need to be on the books, but they've kept it on the books. I see. I see. But uh, 529 plans now, everything stays the same except you can use those proceeds now up to $10,000 per student uh, that can be used to pay for private K-12 through educational expenses. So for families that do have these 529 assets, that that sounds like a really big advantage. That's a real nice plus for the new tax oh, law, I right? Think so too. That's huge. Yes, without yeah. a doubt. Oh, that's great. And what about assets in the student's name? You know, a lot of families have been instructed for many years to put money into uh, UGMAs, you know, UGMAs, and also UTMAs. W- what effect on, on those assets? Anything? Yes, that uh, they've been dickering around with this for many years now. Over the last six or seven years, they've changed the law on how these Uniform Gift to Minors Act and Uniform Trust to Minors Act uh, are actually treated on a tax standpoint. Many CPAs uh, in the past would recommend, instead of saving the money over here in the parent's name, is to save it over here into the kid's name and make an irrevocable gift to the individual students so the students own it. And as time went on, they, the federal government has kicked in what is called the kitty tax. Well, under the new tax legislation, some of the rules basically has changed. Uh, parents who save for college in a uh, UTMA or an UTMA account uh, is going to likely see a tax increase on the investment earnings. Ah. Uh, and the earnings above $2,100 are uh, right now currently taxed at um, the parent's tax rate. Okay. So, in other words, the first thousand or so, there is no tax. The next thousand or so is taxed at the student's rate, okay. which could be a zero. Mm-hmm. Anything above that $2,100. Uh, in the past, in uh, 2017, would be taxed at the parents' rate. Ah. But uh, the new law basically moved this forward to where the earnings will be taxed at a rate used for trust funds now and representing an increase for um, all but those in the highest income tax bracket. So they're going to be taxed um, at the um, at a trust rate instead of the parents or the student rates. So theoretically, the income taxes in the majority of the situation is going to be higher than what it would be under the old law. Oh, I see. I see. Now, I, we are seeing fewer and fewer um, investments in UGMAs and UTMAs than we did you know, even five or ten years ago. That used to be a really popular way to save for college, wasn't it? But have you seen that with your clients too, Chuck, that, that's been oh, on yeah. the de- decline for a while? Oh, yes, because of the, the kitty tax laws. Uh, right. Of sheltering it basically from a low-income tax bracket, which would be the student, from a high-income tax bracket, which would be the individual parents. 
And one of the things that if you do have an UTMA or an UGMA account, uh, I would go ahead and what I'm recommending to a lot of people is uh, to spend these dollars out as quick as you can. And as long as it's spent for the benefit of the student, you can't come in and say, well, we need some repairs on our car here <laughs> and go out and use the kid's money that you've irrevocably already given away to make repairs on your car. It's got to be for the benefit of the student. Now, what about repairs on the kid's car? If, if the kid owns the car outright, then you can do that. Oh, if it's their asset, of course, if they own it. Okay, so they have mm -hmm. to have the pink slip, which a lot of, a lot of uh, high school kids do not. <laughs> that's correct. Oh, but as long as it's for the benefit. So that's the kicker right there. It has to be for the true the benefit, the sole benefit of the student. Then they can spend that money down even in high school. Oh, yes. Uh, books, uh, car insurance, uh, um, you know, summer activity fees, uh, sporting equipment, anything that is a benefit other than food, clothing, and shelter. Oh, not food, clothing. That's an important uh, qualification there. Not food, that's clothing, right. and shelter. That's, that's expected to be paid with no kind of tax benefit. Correct. <laughs> oh, and by the way, this is what, what a lot of parents, of course, refer to as uh, custodial accounts, correct? The UGMAs and UGMAs. They're custodial correct. accounts. Okay. All right. Yes. Well, let's talk for a moment, Chuck, about tax credits. Uh, are there any changes to the American Opportunity Tax Credit or the other one that I'm familiar with is called the Lifetime Learning Tax Credit? Any changes to those? None. None at uh, all? They were, they were proposing to get rid of the Lifetime Learning Tax Credit under the House um, uh, proposal. Okay. Uh, but as things shook out, the American Opportunity Tax Credit, as well as the Lifetime Learning Tax Credit, uh, has remained untouched. So, so therefore, there are no changes. Uh, it's the still, you know, you can get up to $2,500 under the American Opportunity Tax Credit and a maximum of $2,000 from the uh, lifelong um, uh, learning tax credit. So oh. nothing has changed there. Okay, great, great. Uh, what about the good old interest deduction on these student loans? Any changes there to the deduction? Yes, yes. Um, one of the things that was actually proposed to be cut from the House's bill uh, was a student loan interest deduction, uh, which allows borrow, borrowers uh, earning, let's say, 80000 or so as single and up to 160000 married filing uh, jointly to deduct up to $2,500 of interest paid on the educational loans each year. Okay. Um, but that caused a big stir there as well. And so under the Senate side, uh, they went ahead and said, we're not doing away with this. So they have not touched that. Now, here's one of the big things here. Uh, a lot of parents, instead of going out and getting a traditional student loan, like for a direct student loan, either subsidized, unsubsidized, or a plus loan, um, they would say, okay, we're only going to be able to write off $2,500 worth of interest here. Okay. So what we'll do, we'll just take out an equity line of credit or a second mortgage on our home. Uh-huh of which normally the interest rates on those are actually comparative to the direct student loan and are much lower than what the PLUS loans are. Right. Plus, they can write the interest off as an itemized deduction. 
under the new tax law, interest on an equity line of credit or an equity loan or a second mortgage is no longer tax deductible. Oh, that's huge. So if you borrow from your house and use that money to help pay for some cost of the cost of a college education, the interest that you pay can no longer be deducted even if you itemize your um, your taxes. Oh, wow. That's, that's important to know. Wow, that's gone completely. Now, there could be a loophole here. And I would suggest individuals getting with their accountant or CPA on this. Under the IRS rules is that you cannot deduct the interest on a home equity line or um, a second mortgage uh, and classify that as a student loan. You would deduct it if you were to atomize. Well, now that's gone. Right. So can we still borrow money using the equity out of our home to help pay for the loan. There is a uh, very little known clause of the IRS code indicating that if you were to borrow money from the equity of your home and you wanted to treat this not as an itemized deduction, but as a student loan, then you would be able to go ahead and notify the IRS that this equity line of credit or the money that you're borrowing on the equity of your home, you want that to be treated as a student loan. Okay. And as far as we know, you could potentially do that. But oh. then again, you're going to be limited to $2,500. Right, right. But I would check with your accountant and CPA and have them dig into that a little bit further. But everything that I've read is that you still potentially could do that as long as you inform the IRS that the money that you're borrowing, 100% of it, uh -huh. not 99.99% .99 <laughs> of it, 100% of it is to be classified as a student loan. And how do they inform the IRS of that, Chuck? What's the, the there, mechanism for there that? There is a form. Uh, there is a waiver um, I can't think of exactly what they call it, but there's a waiver of um, exemptions or something like uh -huh. that. Okay. Uh, it's a form that you would fill out and attach with your income tax returns, ah. indicating that the equity loan that you've taken out on the house, uh, you want that to be classified uh, as a student loan and not an itemized deduction on your income taxes. Oh, I see. I see. But once again, you're going to be limited to $2,500. That's the cap. Sure. And, of course, uh, credit card debt, we've known this for many years. You cannot deduct the interest on a credit card. Yeah, that went away years ago, However, didn't it? <laughs> what a lot of individuals don't understand is that you can actually deduct the interest on a credit card as long as you use those dollars specifically to pay for the cost of a college education and treat that as a student loan. Now, how do they document that? that that's news to a lot of folks. Okay, there's where, that's where it comes, comes back in, and uh, uh, you have to provide documentation. I see. Now, with that said, if I've got a credit card here that has $10,000 worth of credit available, and I use 
900, uh, $9,950 of that to pay for the, my kid's college education. Okay. And I used the other $50 on there to go ahead and give my son or daughter or whatever a $50 gas card. Okay. You then have eliminated that credit card of being classified as a student loan. It's either all oh, or none. Oh, that, that's huge. So if you had a credit card you had dedicated to borrow mm -hmm. against for college, you're good to go. But don't don't commingle these funds. Make it all or nothing. It has to be used strictly and totally for qualified educational expenses. Oh, well, that, that's, a, that's a great tip there. And certainly something that could get a lot of folks in trouble if they don't know the uh, specific details on this. Oh, yes. <laughs> Well, Chuck, we covered a, a lot of great topics here tonight. Uh, is there anything else that you want to share regarding the, the new tax law, regarding you know paying for college or anything at all? Yeah, some, some of the things that, that also is, is changed here is um, uh, a person that takes out a student loan and were to die or become disabled, okay. um, their student loan would be forgiven under the federal program. Uh, but the, the, in the past, these particular loans, and then what I'm talking about disabled, you've got to be permanently and totally disabled I where see. you can't do anything. Okay. And of course, if you're dead, you're dead. Um, under the old rules, any forgiveness of those student loans due to those particular things, uh, you're going to end up having to pay income tax on forgiveness of a loan. Oh, yeah, right, right. I remember that. Under the new tax legislation, if death or total disability or permanent disability were to occur and you were to have these loans forgiven, the forgiveness of those loans now under the new tax proposal now becomes non-taxable oh, income. Oh, that, that's a big uh, new benefit. Okay. If the tra a tragedy thing were to happen, which it, it does occasionally, we've heard of stories like this. Um, also, another point here uh, is the um, uh, deletion of the dependency exemption. Okay. Uh, that is no longer available. You're not going to be able to deduct your student here as a dependent anymore. That oh. is gone. Oh, I see. And the new law eliminates the exemptions for dependents and replaces those exemptions with the higher standard deduction. Uh-huh for individual students under the age of 17. Um, there's also a new family tax credit of $500 for other dependents, including children above the age of 17. Now, while uh, parents of younger students may benefit uh, from this replacement, parents of college-age students will likely end up paying more as the family tax credits won't fully offset the loss of the personal exemption. Ah, okay. So, so that might so not... So that, that's one of the little quirks yeah, right. uh, that's in there that's going to surprise a lot of individuals. Yeah, yeah. So it'll, it'll uh, uh, hurt some folks, and others it will be a, a non-issue. That's correct. I see. And even in divorce situations, uh, individual spouses that pays alimony, uh -huh. you know, to their ex-spouse, Right. Uh, they used to be able to deduct that off as um, uh, as a deduction on the front of their 1040. Well, the, the, person uh, paying, the person paying 
the alimony. That the person paying could okay. deduct that, and then the other individual, which normally is the other spouse, hopefully, yeah, uh, they would have to claim it as income. As income, sure. Well, the new law that is passed now is that the alimony or maintenance payments made to an ex-spouse is no longer tax deductible. Oh, does does and the other the, spouse still claim it as income? Spouse, they still have to claim it as income. Oh, but the person paying does not get the deduction any longer. Correct. Oh, was that just a flat-out reduction off of the adjusted gross income before? That is correct. Oh, but that's, that's, an that's, that's, to, that's an adjustment to income on the front of your 1040. Oh, okay. okay that, that's going to disappoint a few folks here and there. <laughs> yeah, more than likely. But those are, those are little bitty changes that's yeah. coming about. That's the reason why I say... Uh, you know, most individuals, uh, they're going to see a, a tax reduction uh, on their federal return. Uh, and in some situations, they're going to actually see their taxes increase under a state income tax return. Right. So, you know, $500 here, 1000 here, 1500 here, whatever, that's money you didn't have in your pocket to begin with. Yep, that's right. And as long as the economy continues to grow the way that we think it's going to continue to grow, it's going to mean more job opportunities. It's going to be um, uh, er, the people that you work for are going to be more profitable because this tax legislation actually benefit uh, the corporations and the businesses more than it did the individual. Uh-huh. But then again, when they save money, hopefully mm-hmm. – They'll pass some of those savings on to their employers, which we have seen, you know, bonuses of a thousand. I've seen some of them as high as three thousand dollars. Right. And then some of the corporations are actually ending up paying a a opening wage of two to three to four dollars higher than what they were previously because of the savings that they're going to get over here. So it's. I hate to call it trickle down, but basically that's what, what it is. is. Yeah, that's what it is. And I, I've seen some employers that have actually increased the pay, the hourly pay, for hourly workers uh, that, that were already employed by them as well. So we're, we're, that is we're correct. out here, even in California, this goofy state, we're, we're seeing a lot of uh, benefits to a lot of folks. But um, even with a lot of individuals now, since they have simplified filing your federal income tax returns, doesn't eliminate uh, you doing any type of advanced tax planning. Uh, right now, it's probably more important than any time before to make sure that you deal with a good uh, tax professional uh, in completing, especially when your kids are in college. Sure. Because, you know, we can get in depth here of, of the taxation or non-taxation of scholarships and grants and understanding the 1098T and IRS Form 8863 and all this other stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it's not a good time for you to sit back and have um, someone or yourself do your own federal income taxes, even though you may not be able to itemize. It's still within the time span of your kids being in college uh-huh. or whatever. A matter of fact, it's increased the importance of using a tax professional to go ahead and help you with your uh, income taxes. Oh, that's good to know. That's great. Well, Chuck, well, I want to thank you for joining us tonight and, and for all this great information, a lot of nuggets here that I'm sure 
our listeners had no idea on this new tax law. Lots of nuggets for, for everyone. Thank you again. And if anyone has any questions for you, Chuck, how can they best contact you? They can give me a call at area code 502-721-8646, or they can send me an email at tuition, that's T-U-I-T-I-O-N, the number two, like one, two, at Bell South, that's all one word, dot net, or they can visit my web website to where I have a self-study course on the six steps of, um, of um, graduating from college with zero debt. Uh, and my website is, of course, www. All, this is all one word, collegeliteracyacademy.com. Oh, wonderful. And just uh, a sidebar here, uh, Chuck is located in the wonderful state of Kentucky. Uh, if any yes. of you folks, I know a lot of our folks are back east there, so I always like to mention that. Um, I want to thank you, College Success Formula members, for joining us. And whether you're listening to us live this evening or the recording at a later date. And again, I encourage you to visit Chuck's website. That's www.collegeliteracyacademy.com. I guarantee you, you will find lots of great, helpful information there. And as always, we're here to help you plan for your child's college success. You can contact us at support at collegesuccessformula.com. So until next time, take care and may God bless. Good night.